Thank you so much, Hope Center. You may be seated. What an honor to be able to stand in this moment, not just in Brisbane, but uh, come on, we love Morton. Do you love Morton? Come on, Morton, Logan, uh, uh, Ipswich, and Redlands. You guys are so dearly loved, prayed for, and have met some of you over the weekend. And uh, it's been a pretty powerful moment. We've been standing in something sacred and uh, special. And I, I don't know, you know, there's this, there's just comes on these certain times in your life where you just know you need to interrupt your schedule just to be in the room. And I, I want to echo what Pastor Wayne uh, is saying. Do what you can to be here. I'm telling you, God has met with us in such a profound way and prophetically that I, I've never met anyone who regretted standing in a saturated presence of God moment. I don't know anyone who would come tonight and go, ah, oh, that was kind of okay, or ah, oh, that was mid, or that was average. I've only met people who said, I'm so glad I canceled this. I'm so glad I made room. I'm so glad I prioritized it. And I want to ask you to do the same thing. I echo what Pastor Wayne said. You kids can skip school tomorrow. All right, take it. Listen, I'm, I don't know if I'm somewhat of a role model in this area, but I never went to school. My parents thought I went to school, but I never went to school. I'm not even lying. I didn't even finish college. I went for one year, Pastor Wayne, and then went into business uh, uh, and was successful, then went into missions and watched God move and took over a student ministry. We had a sweeping revival come through, and we were meeting not just one night, two nights, three nights. We were about to go to four nights because we were packing out a room. And uh, so many souls, so much discipleship. And then I get a call from my old college, Christ for the Nations Institute. And they said, hey, could you come and raise that up down here? And I was like, you know, I never graduated. I just dipped. You know, I was gone. And uh, they said, yeah, that's the one thing. You have to sign the NDA and you cannot say that ever publicly. And then they, they asked me to lead the college I never graduated from. They can skip school one day tomorrow, okay? Like, there is room for God tonight, all right? So, all the kids are like, yeah, I feel God on that. There's All the teenagers are like, this is, there's, he's prophetic right now. You feel that? He's here, you know? So, but I think you have some of the incredible, uh, some of the most incredible leaders uh, on the planet, uh, and the dynamics are un, unreal, and I, I just hold them very special and very dear, and that's Pastor Wayne and Pastor Lynn. Come on, do you love your lead pastors? And let's give it up for this entire team, the worship team, the kids, the youth, the young adults. Come on, all these incredible leaders. You are a house full of weapons. And I honor that because that doesn't just happen. That's not by default. That's by design. Come on, nobody loses like 30 kilos, ends up in Hawaii with a hundred grand in the bank by accident. And if that happens to you, we need to be friends. But that is very intentional, and it's, it's the intention of God and quality leadership that I look around this room, that it would pull together this incredible uh, leadership team that you have here. One more time, can you give it up for every volunteer, every parking attendant, everybody making coffee? Every, it takes, it literally takes an incredible church like this. Well, I, um, I have just been going in, I've just felt so moved on by God, really the last two weeks, and is in preparation uh, for this weekend, and we've had some a powerful night. If you have not been here, let me kind of give you a recap to whet the appetite for tonight. Uh, on Friday morning, we had an incredible time with the pastors and leaders of Hope Center and a few hand-picked individuals to come from other churches to receive, and it was a, a real big impartation moment about courage, and, I, and I'm telling you right now, I know that you're probably around all these pastors and leaders and they've always got a smile on their face they've always got joy in their heart they're always welcoming and warm to you but don't think that there's not some dark days some real low lows there's some big challenges and courage has to you have to overdose yourself on courage constantly to lead in the church today and so that was a powerful moment friday we came in and uh friday was just like a god punching a hole in the roof and invading and his one word altar call to all of us me included was surrender and this wasn't just surrender sin and surrender pain it was surrender plans surrender decisions have you yielded yet and making room for more it was a it was a real powerful moment uh, uh we could have gone all night 
But then the next morning, the marketplace gathering yesterday was pretty special uh, because I could feel in the room the, the, the gathering that was there was hungry to do something that has never been done for Brisbane and Australia before. I love when people start dreaming impossible dreams. I, as a visionary pioneer risk taker myself, I'm attracted to that. And I got to unpack our story and, and uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit about it tonight, um, but and, and, and then we moved into last night. And last night, I felt like God was really ministering to our sight. I think out of everything that you have going on in your life, your sight is so important. I'm talking about your spiritual perspective is so important that you could see the pain behind the pain, that you could see what's happening behind what's happening and, and coming out of second Kings. And, and now it leads us to this moment. That's a recap. If you're like, Oh, sight surrender. I mean, it's, I'm telling you it has been sacred. And so this morning I want to speak to you, uh, from, a, uh, I feel like we've turned a corner and I want to go in strong. Can we do that? Nah, come on. Can we do that? I want to know that every campus is, we come on Morton, Logan, Redlands, Ipswich, you got a journey with us, all right? And so do me a favor, turn on your Bible and go to Mark 14. Mark, the 14th chapter. Um, I didn't know that you beat America in 92, and therefore I'm going to have to work through an offense later on this afternoon because I hate losing. I don't know about anybody else, but I, I, I told you last night I play for anything to win. So, uh, but that's, that's the devil. So, uh, Mark chapter 14. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation because it really captures something. And I want to set us up correctly. I, I need you to get a picture of a kitchen table and Jesus is at the, uh, at the head of this table. Now you need to recognize who's in the room. You obviously, if Jesus is here, you're going to have his 12. You're going to have the apostles. At this point, they're disciples, but you're going to have them in the room. But there were two special guests in this room. The first one was Lazarus. Now, this is the Lazarus that was raised from the dead. Can you imagine sitting next to the man who was once dead for, for three days and then rolls out of a tomb in grave clothes? You probably turn into somewhat of a local celebrity. I don't know what those conversations are like. You're like, hey, Lazarus, Laz, listen, you was dead, right? Um, what was that like? What'd you see? What'd you hear? Did you talk to my cousin? Did you get with my grandmother? Did you bring back some cookies? I mean, there's something you're asking because you want to know what was it like to be dead and now you're not, right? So everybody kind of recognized this is Lazarus who was dead. You somewhat have some influence, some credibility, some clout. That's probably to Jesus' left. To his right is most likely the man whose house they're in and that's Simon the leper. And, and this is a man who has just recently been healed of leprosy. You talk about one impossible to his left, and now here's another one to his right. Because leprosy, there was no known cure at this point for leprosy. And not only that, you were cut off from society, from family, from friends, from everyone, and you were sent to a leper colony to whittle away and die. And Jesus shows up to Simon's life and heals him. And now his house is known as that is Simon the leper's house. There is one more person that we're inviting to this dinner party, but they did not make the A list, the B list, or the C list. They didn't even make the list. And this is what I really want to focus on is the uninvited guest. Her name is Mary. Mary is the sister of Lazarus. Mary is the one who sent word. The one whom you love is sick. And if you don't come, he's going to die. And then Jesus recognizing to even get to Lazarus, he knows it's going to take several days. He has to go through Jerusalem at this time in, in the, in the story of the gospel. It is very dangerous for Jesus to be even around Jerusalem, but he has to go through Jerusalem to get there. So he decides to wait several more days till the impossible is forever sealed. And then she's the one who sent another messenger and said, Hey, you're too late. You didn't come on time. He's already dead. She's also the one who ran up to him and said, the one whom you love has died. And Jesus with a strong yet sure and gentle uh, smile says, he is not dead, but only asleep. And then all of a sudden he tells Lazarus, come forth as tears were coming down his face. And again, an impossible situation happens. Mary's 
in this moment. And I want to read this here. Watch this for a second. Now that we have some context, now you can understand where I'm coming from. Mark chapter 14 in verse 3, it says, Now Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon, a man Jesus had healed of leprosy. And as he was reclining at the table, a woman, this is Mary, the sister of Lazarus, uh, came into the house with an alabaster flask filled with the highest quality of fragrant and expensive oil. She came to Jesus with a gesture of extreme devotion. She broke the flask and poured out the precious oil all over his head. But some were highly indignant when they saw this and they complained to one another saying, what a total waste. Mm. It could have been sold for a great sum and the money could have benefited the poor. So they scolded her. They criticized her harshly. Jesus said to them, leave her alone. I don't know about anybody else, but when Jesus speaks up and it's with a command, everything pays attention. I'm telling you this right now because this spiritual law is still in effect. If you've got a sickness in your body, whether you're here, Redlands, Ipswich, Logan, Morton, or online, when Jesus speaks to that cancer, when he speaks to that cold, when he speaks to that stress, I'm telling you, there is a thundering word coming out of heaven over your life in this moment, and it's saying, leave them alone. Leave him alone. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Why are you so critical of this woman? She has honored me with this beautiful act of kindness. And you will always have the poor whom you can help whenever you want. But you will not always have me. Let me put this in your world. There will never be another moment like this. You're always going to have the poor, but you won't have this moment. When she poured the fragrant oil over me, she was preparing my body in advance for my burial. See, she has done all that she could to honor me. I promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will be mentioned in memory of her. Man, there is so much here, and we're going we're gonna to taste it all, all right? But first, let's pray. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you have been slow cooking this whole weekend fresh kingdom attributes into our spiritual DNA. There has been renewal. There has been re-envisioning. There has been resetting. There has been recharging. There has been repositioning. There has been rebranding. And there has been repetitive word after word on targeted areas in our life. And we refuse to have another moment in your presence where we get casual or passive. God, we are asking that you would cause a holy invasion unlike anything we've ever seen on a Sunday morning. That this is not just regular service and regular church and regular ministry, but this is an encounter where heaven invades the earth and lives are completely transformed and changed. God, uncork, unlock, and unveil something fresh to your people in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone shout it. Amen. I want to talk to you from this one word. I want to talk to you how to be built. I think we need built people again. I, 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 you know, I like working out. I like going to the gym. I like doing it. And I walk in and I always see some people that are in the gym and they obviously have spent more time than I have in the gym. Yet, you know, they're big, cut, jacked like me in this gym. And, and they are obviously built. I think that people who work on their career have built in the days. They've built in the mundane. They, they've built when it's not normal. The people who are doing things that nobody has ever done, they were built to do that. They, they didn't realize that the experiences from childhood, from their teenage years, even probably from their college or the books they read or that one message they heard or that one relationship they had, it was forming them because they needed to be built. I have watched too many people say that they are further along than they really are when the true intention was they were never built. They weren't built to handle the pressure. They weren't built to handle the stress. And so when the storms of life came, when the challenges and the unexpected collided with their life, they were able, they could not overcome any of that, but were overwhelmed because they were not built correctly. Let it be said, 
that those at Hope Center, every campus under the sound of God's anointed word was built correctly on Encounter Weekend. That God was adding muscle on top of muscle. He was adding plans on top of pants. And there was layers of anointing and authority because God was not building you for the weekend. He was building you for a lifetime of impact, transformation. Come on, we need built people again. We need people who know how to stand up under some weight and some challenge and some pressure, who don't cower under peer pressure, social media polls, opinions, headlines. Where are the built people who know how to pray something through? You get around somebody with some scars. You get around somebody with some bruises. You get around somebody with a limp and you will know they were built whack. They had to fight their way back. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I realize that some of you have been fighting things on your own, but now God is stepping into the moment and he's adding a weapon and he's adding prophetic words and he's adding strength. It's time that you're built. You know, it's amazing how you can find out what you're built for and what you're not built for. I I remember one time I was going to uh, play disc golf. This is before I actually started playing golf golf. All right. Disc golf is like a poor man's golf. It's with Frisbees. And so (laughs) I remember I was going to this parking lot and uh, to get into this parking lot, you had to come down a big hill and um, you come down this big hill and then you park your car and I'm about to go walk to the, to the first tee and all of a sudden uh, I, 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 I see a guy sitting on the top of his truck and I'm walking past him and I see this guy and he, and I said, Hey, what's up, man? And he's like, nothing. I'm getting ready to watch my friend die. <laughs> no, that's exactly how he said it. I said, what's up, man? Nothing. I'm getting ready to watch my friend die. <laughs> This guy's obviously high on something. And so um, I remember thinking, that's weird. I'm going to keep walking, right? No sooner than half a second later, I hear somebody screaming like, oh, and then I hear the rolling of, of a skateboard. You know, when the wheels start picking up and he's coming down this huge hill because he is going to, attack. I didn't know this, but he's coming down this hill to jump about a three meter fence off of his skateboard with all this momentum. So he's coming down the hill, holds it steady. He gets mid-hill and he starts getting the wobbly knees. Now, you know, when somebody gets the wobbly knees like this, you know it's going to be bad for them, but great for you. Because you get to watch something that's going to end up on YouTube later, right? And so he's sitting there and he gets the wobbly knees and he starts losing focus and he starts losing all his center of gravity and he starts losing his sense of direction and ends up veering to his right and goes ribs first into the back of a truck. He hits this truck so hard that the fender bent out like this and he spun, it bounced off the truck, spun in the air and landed on the other side of his ribs. Boom, like this. I watch all of this happen and I'm thinking, God, I've had a busy week. I don't need to be inconvenienced by people running in the trucks. Now apparently I have to raise someone from the dead. Like there's something going on. So, you know, being the, the natured person I am, I go over. And of course, the worst question you can ask somebody when this happens is, bro, are you okay? But you don't know what else to say. You know, you're you're sitting there, bro, are you okay? And he, his shirt is somewhat pulled up from his fall. And I can see the the side of his body. It's going black blue in front of my eyes. And I said, bro, are you okay? And he's like, "Ah, ah, it hurts to breathe. And I'll never forget. I'm so sarcastic. He, he, He said, it hurts to breathe. I said, yeah. Because you just hit a truck with your ribs. You're not built to do that. I remember one time, I was, um, I was, my pastor was telling me there was a guy. He was, uh, he was a built guy. Big, jack, strong. And uh, his nickname was Steroid. I'll let you imagine why. And so he... Uh, he, he, they, they were in this uh, grade 12 uh, tournament and they would go uh, to all these schools would collect on this college campus. And, and of course, there was always these rival schools who would play against one another. And so they tried to keep them separate. But one particular lunch hour, this rival school walks in and their rival walks in. And so they come and they start a trash talking and you know there's always someone who's like oh we're gonna take you out and then then you of course there's someone who just escalates and goes we could take you right now and then someone's like let's do an arm wrestling conference so now people are like all right we're gonna get the biggest and the baddest so their school gets the strongest guy they got and then of course this school gets steroid 
So Sterrick comes over, and of course, you know, they're getting over there, and uh, for all the 80s babies, y'all remember over the top with Sylvester Stallone? Come on, he pulled a hat backwards, right? And he did it like this, all right? And so he's over here, he's getting ready, and they're like, go! And he starts doing this arm wrestling contest. Well, steroids huge. So is the guy, he's, he, he's arm wrestling. Out of nowhere, steroids like, I feel like I'm going to lose, so I'm going to give one final pump. And he goes like this, and pow, the bone in his arm comes shooting out the side of his arm. It's all just dangling like a little kickstand, you know, like just sitting there like this. And everybody was like, got to go, got to go. I'm not getting in trouble for this, right? He was obviously not built correctly. Why would that happen? Because the demand from the outside was too much for the inside. And there is a inner and outer anointing on your life. And that outer anointing represents your talent your skills, your gifts. It represents all of the qualities that you carry that you can actually do. But there is an inner anointing that matters most. It's called character, integrity, a prayer life, spiritual disciplines and habits. You need an inner outer anointing. And what I have found is people, if they're not careful, especially if they're in the church, they will not be built correctly. You cannot just build yourself off of Sunday morning services. I'm going to help you out. You can't even just build yourself off of encounter weekends. There has to be this letting it go. There's this great tension that most believers, they are wrestling with spiritual highs versus spiritual consistency. Because we love spiritual highs. We love the conferences, the encounter weekends, the prophetic words, the invasion. We love these spiritual highs. But when you come down off that high, if you have not built spiritual consistency, there's only two things waiting for you. It's your flesh or your spiritual habits. And if you're not built correctly, your greatest highs will immediately be followed with your greatest lows. This is why we have to be built. Come on, let it be said that on this Sunday across every campus, God was building you correctly. God don't make mistakes. God don't leave out parts. God's not keeping some. I got news for somebody tonight. You might think, man, I feel like God is not doing nothing. I got news for you. If God's doing nothing in your life, he's doing it on purpose. And if God is doing something in your life, he is doing it on purpose. So whether he's doing something or doing nothing, he is doing it all, baby. On purpose. You just got to rest in the fact that he's building for you for the years, not just for the weekends. He's building you for the decades in the days. And there are the people in this room. I feel, God, I want to be built correctly. And if we're going to be built properly, let me give you three things you get to say with your life. The first one is, I'm built different. I'm not built like the culture tells me to be built. I'm not built like headlines try to build me. I'm not built by my fears. I'm not built by my failures. I'm not built by my flaws. I'm not built even just only by this mistake, this past problem, this current struggle, the storm I'm feeling right now. I'm built different. I mentioned this on Friday night, but it's worth repeating. I, 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 I like to smell good. I don't know about anybody else, but I've been in youth and young adult ministry for almost 20 years, and I have smelled things that weren't human. I've been to enough camps to know that is demonic. That is, there's a devil in that cabin, and I will never go near it. You know, like, you just throw anointing oil off a golf cart. You're just passing by, you know. Uh, and and I, I like, I, I for me, I, I like to, if I had a choice between smelling good and looking good, baby, I'm going to choose smell good every time. I'll look like a hot mess, but you're going to enjoy me. I'm going to smell right, all right? And so I, 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 I remember... Uh, I was in the airport and I was looking at one of my favorite colognes and I noticed that there was two p- different prices for the same bottle. It was the same size, same packaging. It was going to have the same smell, but the difference in price was determined by what it was based in. See, if I, if I only spent the lowest amount and I didn't want to sacrifice as much, so I wanted to just spend the lowest amount, then I, I, I would get the one that is based in water. Now, it'll still smell the same, but it will not last as long. It's not built to do that. But if I don't mind pain, come on, Redlands. If I don't mind sacrificing, come on, Morton. Right? If I don't mind giving up more, come on, Brisbane. If I don't mind lending myself to a higher call and a higher price, then I want the one that is going to be based in oil. 
And the reason why I want it based in oil is because oil lasts longer. Yeah, I will smell the same. We might even be wearing the same outfit. But catch me a few hours after you sprayed yours on and mine, and I will still smell as strong. I will still carry the same authority. I will still be built the right way. We need people who are built different. People who are strong in storms and in sunshine. We need people who are on the highs with their highs and with their lows. We need people who are confident no matter who's patting them on the back or who ignored them. We need built people who are built different. You're not built by this culture. You're not built by politicians. You're not built by education systems. Money don't make you built. I'm telling you what builds you. It is the faithfulness of Almighty God. It is the word of truth, both sword and spear, that comes into my life. It is the presence of God that shapes me to be the husband that I am, the father I desire to be, the minister I want to carry to fulfill the call. Where are the built people at? All across Hope Center. Come on, can you thank God that he's not taking a day off in your life and he's still building you you're built different i love this it says in verse seven she poured her highest quality and fragrant most expensive oil this is not just a cup of of canola oil for those of you who are very health conscious i don't know coconut oil okay this is all the gluten-free people said amen um this is, this is, this is plan B. This is, well, if following Jesus doesn't work out, I can always sell this and restore my life. This is holding on to the emergency parachute. This is burning the bridge. This is forever letting go. She's not breaking a jar of oil, Hope Center. She is breaking her life. And what I love is she doesn't break it on his hands. No, no, she doesn't break it on his feet. She breaks it on his head, which is symbolic of his crown. She broke it on the crown of Jesus, on his kingship, on his lordship, on his rulership, on his authority. There are some people who will just pour out just enough, and there are people who will be excessive and wild with what God claims on their life, and they will break a jar of oil over God's head and say, I want to be built different. I don't want to be like the rest of everybody else who holds back the best parts. I'm going to give you the best parts first and if you want my weaker parts you can have those too but God build me different here's the second thing if we're going to be built number two you're built devoted oh you're not just built different there's a a loyalty that comes on the life of someone who has truly been touched by the goodness of God they'll uh, there are people who will literally lay down their life as a martyr so the gospel of Jesus can go forward. Where do you find that? They're not brainwashed. They're not manipulated. They're not coerced into doing it. But there is an internal longing that if my life in its final moments can bring just one closer to the God that I love, I choose to be devoted even to death and I will give everything to Him. You're not just built different, you're built devoted. And don't you know, devotion is, is not really proven when everybody's looking. No, no, devotion is proven when nobody is watching. Devotion many times is proven, you know who has your back, when they speak up, when you're not there for you. Hey, why are you talking about my friend like that? Keep his name out your mouth, you're going to talk about him like that. Come on, this is, yeah, it got real quiet all of a sudden. People are like, man, I need some of that in Brisbane. Right, like you're built different, but you're built devoted. You know, I remember I had a devotion test with one of my best friends. We, uh, I'm a hunter. If if that offends you, that's your problem. I'm from I'm from Texas. I'm in America. Like, uh, uh, it's just what we do. So, um, I, I remember I was going on a hunting trip, and I was uh, stopping by the grocery store, and we were picking up all of our provisions for the week. And of course, I'm not trying to make a trip back in, so we're, we're buying stocks and stocks of, of food. And, and this, we're not eating what I would call chick food. Okay, there's no hummus. All right, there's no pita chips. Okay, there's no carrot sticks. Sorry, Brioni. There's, there's no like lettuce. All right, no, no olives with the right oil. No, 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 no. There's meat. And it's steak, it's chicken. Is pork, and I want the big bacon, not that skinny little thing that they strimped off a cat and called it pig bacon. No, I want real bacon, baby. I want it thick. 
I want the fat. I want to feel it in my bloodstream. Like I want, I want meat and I want sweets. I want Oreos. I want double coated Tim Tams. I want them to hook. I want them to get an IV of Tim Tams. Just put me in. Plug me in. I got a suitcase to prove it. <laughs> I mean, I, we are buying all this food and, and we get in the line and I've got the little cart in front of me and, and uh, I'm, I'm answering all my emails on my phone because I don't want to be distracted when I see that trophy buck come by, right? So, so like I'm, I'm sitting this and my friend, his name is Jared. Jared, oh, Jared is like barely saved. He's like a senior, he's a senior pastor, but he's barely saved. Like I'm not even sure. I'm on his board and I'm like, there's a chair in heaven and there's a chair in hell and we don't know. We're going to let God sort it out. Because every time I've almost been arrested on this side of the cross, it's always been with Jared. He's got a great church in America. Great church in America. But I'm like, bruh. Like, I know you. You, you. Woo. Even Jesus is like, I don't know. I, I don't. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and Jared, I'm sitting there focused on just getting my to-dos done so I could have a good trip. My friend Jared goes, hey, hey, we should get some sunflower seeds. I'm like, dope. Get some sunflower seeds. So Jared goes and grabs this like huge bag. It's probably like a gallon. That's like four liters for you. I don't know what the, whatever. So he takes a big bag of sunflower seeds and Jared decides that he is going from about 20, 30 meters away to throw the sunflower seeds and make it over a line of people into our cart. This is, you know what this, this is called the spirit of stupid, right? So, so Jared takes this bag and throws the bag, whoom, like this. I'm not focused on it. All I see is a bag of white sunflower seed, whoom, come over my head. And it hits a woman right in the backside. I'm telling you, this is the largest woman I have ever seen in my life. This woman was tall, big. She played in the rugby league over here in Australia. This woman was built, you know what I'm saying? And so I remember she turned around and she looks at me. It hits her right here and she looks at me and she goes, excuse me? Who do you think you are touching all this good stuff right here? Have you lost your mind? I'm going to help you fight, girl. You better hold my purse. I'm about to mess this fool up. And I'm sitting there like this. <laughs> out of the corner of my eye, what do I see? Jared is walking out the store acting like he don't even know me. He lacks some devotion. I believe that devotion is not tested on Sunday mornings, but on Tuesday afternoons. The devotion out of Encounter Weekend won't be tested tonight. It'll be tested three months from now. There's something about people who are devoted, loyal, committed, that stay true. I love this. It says in verse 3, As Jesus was reclining at the table, a woman walks in and poured oil on his head. A woman. This is interesting because this is a room only for men. In their culture, a woman dare not go into this atmosphere. But she is not worried about the, the boundaries that are set in her culture. She recognizes there is a supernatural moment that I will never get back again. And I have got to override. See, this is what I love about Mary's. They don't care about protocol. They don't care about preferences or paradigms or personal opinions. When God asks them to move, they don't care who gets offended. They just care about being faithful to Him. And they walk into a room they're not allowed to be in. They're not supposed to be in. They're not qualified to be in. They're not even trained to be in. And she is so focused, she breaks her jar on the crown of Jesus and gives her absolute everything. She is a, we need more Marys. We need more Marys who will cry out in worship and cause the spiritually dormant to get offended to a point where they feel provoked that I gotta have the same hunger that that Mary has. I gotta have the same level of devotion that that Mary has. They're built different. They're, they're, they're built devoted. This, and right here, this is, this, this right here, this is where the storm comes. She breaks the jar. And the whole room literally says, what a total waste. What a waste. And I read this obviously knowing now what we know. And I'm like, how, how to not handle a moment correctly right here? What a total, what a waste. A waste 
a, a, a waste. Can I tell you something? It's never a waste to behold. It's never a waste to be excessive. It's never a waste to have adoration. It's never a waste to worship. It's never a waste to show up on a Sunday night to an encounter weekend that will give you more than your next job will the next five days or your kids could get at school tomorrow. There's something about people who are devoted to God who say we will prioritize as a house of God and when he wants to meet with us, we will change schedules, we will shift mindsets, and we will make room because we're built devoted. I, I, it's, it's like, what's a waste? What a total waste. I'm like, a waste? You know what a waste is? A church with no soul saved in them. A waste is success that causes you, costs you your marriage. A waste is influence with no integrity. That's a waste. That's a waste. And, 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 and then finally, what I love about Jesus, he lets, he lets the whole room get all their shots in. He lets the whole, remember, they scolded her, criticized her harshly. Jesus says nothing. He lets them take out, empty all their ammunition of offense or religious rights or spiritual stances. And then he lets it get all out. And then finally, when the last person breathes their last uh, insult at Mary, then Jesus speaks up. Leave her alone. Oh, I love this. You know why he's saying this? Because this room is full of distractions. I mean, you have the 12 disciples who no doubt are saying, we could have sold this and given it to the poor. We could have made room. We could have fed this many. We could have housed this many. And uh, as, as pure hearted as that may sound, it's not coming from the pure place of God. It's coming from, we could have had money in the ministry, we're over here starving. We finally got a good meal. We're sitting at a table. And she wastes this. And Jesus is like, hey, leave her alone. See, this, this is what I love about Jesus. Because he's, he's sitting here and he's correcting the distractions in the room. No doubt there are people like, all the disciples, we could have sold this. And Jesus is like, well, Peter, could it be that this is not about selling things for the poor? Because you're always going to have them. But you won't always have me. And you're so distracted with being impressed with Lazarus that this side of the room is talking to Lazarus and paying attention to what, what God did for Lazarus and want Lazarus what, what, three steps on how to have a life-giving life. I mean, they, they, they're, they're onboarding into his online curriculum and they're walking through all the seven steps to success and how to be the best you in 2024. And I mean, Lazarus has given everybody, you know, uh, uh, all these strategies and vision. Now this room is distracted by Lazarus. And then, of course, let's talk about this side. They're all like, Simon, you were a leper. How many fingers did you have? And how many did you not have? You know, like, they're interested. Did they grow back? What did it feel like? What was that like? Do, does your family even know? I mean, what did the priests say? And so now this whole half of the room is completely distracted. This whole room is not focused on the one that they need to be focused on because just in a few days, he will be sacrificing his life. So God can't fall in this room. So what does he do? He puts his spirit and direction on a woman named Mary. And Mary breaks into the room, ignores all the insults, could care less about the religious protocol and what happens to her afterwards, and begins to put the attention back where it needs to be, and that's on the Lord Jesus. Perhaps you've been distracted with all of your stress and all of your struggle. Maybe you've been distracted with your job or with your problems or with your relationships, but perhaps there's a merry moment in this today that God is saying, I'm going to break open some oil. It's going to get all over your life, and I He's going to interrupt what's been interrupting you and put the focus back where it needs to be. Come on, where are the people who are built? Built different, built devoted. Here's the last thing. Here's the last thing. Number, number three, you're built dangerous. I cannot stress this enough. I think there was a portion of my spiritual journey with the Lord that I always felt like I had to be very um, timid about where I shared the gospel until he started sending me to the most awkward places. I mean, he'd send me to psychics and palm readers. I want to speak to them. Go there. I'm like, you want me to go where? Son, go to the psychic palm reader. I'm like, did you hear what you just said? Son, I, I want you to go there. 
And then by the end of it, they're getting saved. I mean, I, I, I'm just like, there is nothing off limits now. There's not a moment, there's not a person. Life is too short, it's too precious. We've had too much tragedy come on the globe in the last three years. I don't want to miss a moment. So if I have to be dangerous, I was built that way anyways. I'm built dangerous. I love this because it says, she broke her alabaster jar. Now you remember, when she breaks this, this is a fragrant oil. It's expensive. And, and, and not only that, where she breaks it is so important. When the Bible gives a location, there's many times revelation in the location. Because it says that she breaks this oil in the house of Simon the leper. I, I don't know if you've ever been to a leper colony. They still have them in India and some places of the world. I don't know if you've ever smelt what decaying flesh smells like, but it smells very simply like death. The whole house was probably covered in the, and layered in stenches of death until a Mary showed up. And she broke open anointing oil and it overpowered the smell of death with the smell of anointing and life. Come on, you're built dangerous. There's an aroma to our life. There's an aroma to our decisions. There's an aroma to the directions of our life. There is a fragrance on you. Now you have to remember, in just a few short days, Jesus is going to hang on a cross. Before that, he's going to be whipped 39 times for your sin and mine. He's also going to be falsely accused multiple times in some would argue three different courts he is also going to be passed over for a murderer when he could have been set free he's going to be rejected by his closest friends he's going to be even denied by the one closest to him he's going to be arrested in the middle of a prayer meeting in a garden and just a few days before he was anointed for all of it which tells me that when he was arrested he smelled like this oil when he was falsely accused and betrayed and forgotten by his closest he smelled like this oil when he went to these courts he smelled like this oil he smelled different he was built dangerous when he was beaten as they are ripping chunks of flesh off of his body and blood is pouring out of almost every pore in his skin. It is not blood, dried blood or, 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 or juice from his body that they're smelling. It's the oil that is covered all over his body and they are unaware like why does he smell so good? Where is that coming from? When he carries that cross up that hill, he smells like this fragrant oil. When he's hung between two thieves, he smells like this oil. When he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He smells like this oil. And when he finally says, it is finished, he smelt like this fragrant oil. I don't know what you came in smelling like today. You might smell like pain. You might smell like worry. You might smell like sin. You might smell like struggle. But I can tell you, there is a fragrance called the love of God that can overpower any death trait in your life and give you brand new life. He wants to take over those pains. He wants to take over those feelings. He wants to take over your life. You can't just be built. you got to be built different. You can't just be built different. you got to be built devoted. When you go through that, man, you will be built dangerous. I, 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 was, I was writing this down. Pay attention to what your breaking is bringing. I'm going to say that again. Your breaking is bringing something. When you break your everything, it's like there are things in heaven that are attracted to you. Your breaking is bringing something. Would you stand up with me all across every campus? I feel, feel the presence of God like we're, like it's Sunday night already. I know this is, I don't mean it to be a commercial. I just want to fall in line with your pastor and I feel a pull. I don't want anybody to miss a moment. 
I don't care what you got planned, cancel it. Be here. It's not that we need a, a packed room. I've preached in stadiums full of people and felt like many times I was there for maybe one or two. It's more that I want something for you, not from you. I want you to encounter God. I want you to be built. I recognize there are people who this world has built you some kind of way. Built you lonely. Built you confused. Let's just be honest. You've been built wicked. You've got things in your life you're not proud of. I am not here to judge you. But I am here to love you. And I would like to introduce you to the one who can have you unlearn all of those patterns and mindsets and habits and relearn it the way where you'll be proud of the man or woman you are. You'll walk in a confidence and a security knowing that you're his. We sung about the faithfulness of God this morning. I'm telling you, he is the most loyal person. I got news for somebody in this room. This might be your first time. Redlands, Morton, Ipswich, Oh man, I feel this. I, I feel this in my spirit. Logan, Brisbane, I feel this. God is not in love with the future version of you. He's in love with the you right now. You don't have to be ready. Well, I just want to polish something. No, 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 no. You're never good enough to polish it. God's not in love with some future idea of who you think you'd be in love with. You're not dating God. You're not here to make yourself so presentable that he no he was in love with you the day you sucked your first breath he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb he was in love with you he's in love with you with all the flaws all the sin all the failures all the potential all the calling all the he's in love with you and i don't know where you're at but if we could have every head bowed every eye closed there are people in this room and all across every campus. God has orchestrated this moment to capture your attention. I ask, if you have never given your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand, whether you're in Brisbane, Logan, Morton, Redlands, Ipswich, just raise your hand so someone on our team can come and see you. I don't want you to miss this moment, friend. This is where everything changes. The turning points change. Just slip your hand up. I just, I want to give you time. I know this is a big decision. This is the most important decision you'll ever make with your life. If you have never given your life to Jesus, I've never met anybody who gave their life to Jesus and regretted it. Not one. Never met anyone. I've met people who have given, have been given multiple times. <laughs> I was just in a church last weekend in San Antonio, Texas. The pastor's son was 13. He's a young friend that lived three streets over. Best friend since birth. They grew up together, except that best friend had leukemia. And became very sick to the point where they journeyed for about four years in and out of hospitals and treatments. And it was really hard on the family and hard on this pastor's kid. Until finally the, the gavel was set. He's got no more than 30 days. Now, they're a miracle-believing church. Trust me, miracles break out in this church all the time. But they knew this. they had to make sure that the real miracle wasn't just that he would get healed from leukemia and not know Jesus. The real miracle is, let's see this kid give his life to Jesus. This pastor's son is probably the only Christian in his life, Pastor Wade. He comes up to this kid. He just decides, okay, I'm praying. I'm fasting for a couple of days. He goes and meets with this kid and just has a point blank, honest, transparent conversation and says, do you know Jesus? And this kid can barely move, barely. He's so weak. He just does this signaling no, shaking his head. And he says, do you want to know Jesus? And he, with all the strength he has, he does this. So I'm going to pray with you and I know you can't talk, but say this inside of yourself. And he prays with him and leads him to Jesus. And he said, when they say amen, he didn't have enough strength. I don't, well, they still don't know how, but he smiled. He did this. Real weak, but honest smile. 
as if he was having his encounter with God. Three days later, he passed away. Friend, I'm not playing any games with your life. I did not get on a plane and leave my wife and kids so that you could stay in your struggle and your sin. I came to tell you that I was in struggle and sin and he touched me. If you've never given your life, I just want to give you another moment. You just raise your hand and say, Pastor Chris, that's me. That's me. I want to pray with you all across every campus. I want you to repeat after me. I want to pray with you. Let's pray with some volume, church, all across every campus. Pray loud and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you that you died for me, that you rose again, and you're alive today. I declare that you are my Savior and you are my Lord. I belong to you. Build me. Build me different. Build me devoted. And build me dangerous. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, I want to I want to pray. I want to I really feel and I want to share this with all the campuses and the leadership. I really feel like God is building people through prophetic words or the power of agreement. And so I want to turn over uh, the rest of the service to these campuses to the leadership there we love you guys if you're close please come to the night service tonight it's going to be powerful we bless you guys we'll see you but I I really feel like God wants to just do one more thing for 60 seconds build what I have found is God can get more done in 60 seconds than 60 years on our own on our own he is so good if you would say, Pastor Chris, there's areas in my life, whether you spoke to or I didn't speak to, but you know that the Holy Spirit highlighted in your life that you need to be built. Would you just raise your hand and say, I want to be built stronger. I probably need to be built more devoted. Or may I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm being built like everybody else in this world. I'm going to be built different. Or, or maybe there's some of you, you've been so timid and passive. And you're like, no, I'm, I'm going to be built dangerous. Whatever it might be. I see a lot of hands. Would you take that hand? Put it on your heart. I want to pray for you. I'm going to get you out of here in about 45 seconds. Holy Spirit. I thank you that your work is never finished and you never sleep. You never take a day off. You never forget. Lord, you don't ignore, but you are highly intentional with what you're doing in every man and every woman's life. And I speak hope to you, sir. I speak hope to you, ma'am, that God is now active in your life by you simply raising your hand and prophetically saying, I want to be built. Lord, I ask that you would come and add block to mortar to brick to strategy to plan to vision god build us correctly this morning as we turn our lives over to you in a powerful way in the mighty name of jesus and everyone said amen god bless you guys i'll see you tonight